It's just digging yourself into that, that dream that you have, living it in your mind, preparing for it, and then doing it. If you fail, so what? This is Crow's Feet, a place where we ponder the question, are these our golden years or does aging just suck? Well, yes, getting older is not for the faint-hearted, but aging also brings wisdom and humor, a finely tuned perspective on life. In our podcast, you'll meet writers and others rethinking our later years, people who inspire us to reimagine our future. My name is Lee Bench, a Crow's Feet writer and podcaster. Today, I'm speaking with Eric Jeppesen. Eric is a retired attorney. Most importantly, he is an avid cyclist. I'm excited to talk to Eric because he recently finished a bicycle trip across the United States, a feat that many of us would never consider. But Eric did this at the age of 70. While managing his asthma and celebrating his birthday on the road, Eric broke an age and elevation record. Eric, your story is awesome. Let's begin with how you got started cycling and what was the inspiration to tackle a long-haul trip? I started cycling uh, in about 2005. I met a friend of a friend who was a road cyclist. I had a cross bike at the time. We rode quite a bit. and My wife that year suggested I get clip-in pedals, and I did that. And I just kept riding, mostly on the trail here close to my home. And I just got to feel invigorated again. I used to run a lot, uh, but I had to give up running because of my feet and my knees. Just came to enjoy it. It, it really became more of a an addiction when uh, my wife and I learned that uh, my youngest son had a health crisis and while away in school in Arizona. Getting on the bicycle after work uh, was a good stress reliever, and it helped clear my mind and relax me more. So I just kept it up. Sounds a reasonable thing to do. In the past or earlier than that, I probably would have gotten outside and run three miles or something like that. But I enjoyed uh, hearing the whir of the tires on the road surface mm-hmm. and et cetera. One day when I came back home from work, I noticed my next door neighbor had his bike out and he had a bicycle kit on. And I I stopped and I said, uh, where are you going? I said, well, he was going to go for a ride. He's done several Ironman competitions. At the time, I didn't know that he rode a bike. And I asked, asked him, can I come with you? And he said, sure. So I hurried home and changed into my cycling gear and got on my bike and went out and met him. And we went out and rode probably only about 25 or 30 miles. And gee, I thought that was fun. And he introduced me to another friend who's become a very ad- avid uh, a cycling buddy of mine, his name is Gary, my next door neighbor who I just referred to is named Pat. And Gary and I still ride quite a bit, although not so much during this time of year because of the weather. One day I asked Pat if uh, he had ever done the STP, which is uh, Seattle to Portland. STP is what it stands for. It's 200 miles. You can do it in one or two days. He said he had always done it in two I said, well, I'd be interested in doing it in one. Do you know anybody else that could ride with us? And he suggested Gary. I've ended up doing it every year since. And after I'd done that about, oh, four or five times, I used to, at the time, go to a uh, indoor cycling club in Seattle. It was called Cycle University. And I would take indoor cycling classes. They had power meters. And I would usually go three days a week. 
I mentioned to one of the individuals, I said, uh, gee, I'm interested in maybe riding the bike across the country with my bike and my tires withstand everything. But I started reading about individuals that had ridden across the country, and I just liked being on my bike. So I signed up for the Southern Tour in the year 2000. But of course, that was the year of the pandemic, and it ultimately was canceled. Uh, you mean uh, the year 2020? 2020, excuse me. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. So you signed up in 2020, but that one got canceled? Right. It was canceled due to COVID. I mean, there just weren't enough hotels and motels and restaurants that were open, et cetera. So they canceled that tour. And I thought, well, maybe I'd just blown my chance. I didn't really want to do it with other groups or mm-hmm. organizations that I'd read about, primarily because many of them just took too long. Maybe their average daily ride was only 55 miles or something like that. But a couple of months after the tour was canceled, I got an email from Pack Tour that indicated that they were going to do the Northern Tour in 2021, and they would allow me to shift my registration over to 2021. I asked my wife about it. I was a little concerned about the, the price tag, but she encouraged me. She's always encouraged me about my cycling. So I signed up for it, paid my deposit, and kept indoor training, uh, which is now in my garage, and uh, really got outside training hard around uh, March and April. Sounds to me like you really enjoy the long days, like 100 to 120 miles per day. Is that about right? I've often wondered kind of why, uh, but I do enjoy being on my bike for a long time, I enjoy the long rides. And if they're less than a 60, 80 miles, I won't even bother. And I don't mean to disparage anybody that goes on those shorter rides. I, I'm not. When I was in high school and I used to participate in track, quarter mile was my long event. Uh, but as I guess I've gotten older, I've gotten more endurance rather than speeds. Let's go back to the uh, the tour on the northern route. So that took you 30, 33 days, maybe? I think it was 34 days total. Ended up to be a little over 3,800 miles, 34 straight days. There were not any rest days. The long days were approximately 147 miles. We had a couple of days that were shorter in the 80 to high mm-hmm. 70 miles. It was an endurance issue. Uh, you started in Seattle. Actually, we started in Everett, Washington, which is just about 25, 30 miles north of Seattle. And you ended where? We ended up in Rye Beach, New Hampshire. Wow. Now, that was in July time frame? We started on July 10th. We ended on uh, August 12th, I think it was. How many mountain ranges did you have to cross over? <laughs> <laughs> we went over the North Cascades on the second day. Uh, which was a 126 mile ride, yeah. with about with about 8,000 feet of elevation. It was it was over Highway 20. Yeah. It was a beautiful day. Uh, fortunately, we uh, we missed uh, being cut off or delayed by a fire that had been up there that year. But anyway, we went over the North Cascades and obviously over the Rockies. Somewhere or another, we crossed the Continental Divide, but I can't tell you exactly where that was. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. So you put in a lot of miles. So 8,000 feet was the highest point? That was one of the longest roads. Actually, the most difficult day for me was uh, 
the day we rode from Powell, Wyoming to Sheridan, Wyoming. That was about day 12, I think it was. I had uh, suffered from the asthma and the smoke from the fires got me. So by that time, I knew I had a bronchial infection. I actually went to a clinic in Columbus the day ahead of time. But uh, from Powell to Sheridan, Wyoming, it's 122 miles, about 7,300 feet or more. And they call that the the Bighorn Climb. I had heard many of the veterans who had done this route talk about this climb and how they timed everybody. I didn't want to be timed. I I just wanted to freaking make it. It's funny to me, it may not be the listeners, but Every day, I would usually set an alarm on my watch. I usually get up at four o'clock in the morning. I have a routine where I shower, shave, stretch. I have a morning big glass of amino acids and beet powder. And I drink and go down for breakfast, blah, blah, blah. But that morning, I hadn't set my alarm. And my wife sent me a text message and I wear an Apple watch. So I feel this buzzing on my on my wrist and I wake up and it's my wife wishing me good morning and I hope I have a good day. And I thought, well, that's odd because I usually text her first. I looked at my time on my watch and it said 4.55 and my immediate thought was, okay, well, it's just shortly before four. And then I thought, oh no, it's 4.55. Breakfast, they're going to start breakfast in less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> So I bounced from one wall to the other, getting ready. I ran down, had breakfast. and But anyway, I was a nervous wreck. And uh, when I started off on the bike, uh, I just felt pooped. I was mentally and physically wiped out. And I didn't know whether it was mentally or whether it was physically. I was just tired. And I think it's about 20 miles into the ride. They had the first rest stop. I stop there and I fuel up and fill my water bottles. Before I get started, I find out that the the mud that I've stepped in is like concrete and I have to scrape it off my pedal cleats. To the top of the climb, it's about 8,000, 9,000 feet. It was the most grueling climb I'd ever been on, whether it's because of my bronchial infection and asthma or what it was. But I made it to the top and Lon Haldeman calls over to me while I'm sitting with my head hanging down trying to drink a soda and he says how old are you eric and i said i'll be 71 in eight or nine days and he said so you're 70 and i said yeah i'm 70. i didn't know what he was getting at and he calls over to me and he says you just set a record for over 70 up the bighorn climb it still brings tears to my eyes i just can't believe it You are listening to the CrossFit Podcast. Our guest is Eric Jeppesen, sharing his story about crossing the United States on a bicycle at age 70. So you weren't feeling 100% and you still broke the record. I wasn't feeling 100%. There were times that it was just grueling. I would actually gauge my progress in tenths of a mile. I kept telling myself, Eric, you've never stopped on a climb. Don't stop on a climb. And about approximately, I would say, halfway up, I just unclipped. My brain just shut off. And I just, mm-hmm. without even thinking about it, I unclipped my pedals. I, oh, no. And I felt devastated for a second. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't 30 seconds later. I just tried to clip back in and get going. And it's a pretty steep uphill. So it was slow getting my feet in the pedals again and power yeah. on until I reached the top. 
you had a birthday while you were on the road. How'd that go? <laughs> it was great. I don't even remember how he knew, but I used to ride, or I did ride on that uh, cross-country trip with a f- nice gentleman named Michael Robertson from Indiana, retired CPA. And he was wonderful to ride with. He's significantly younger than me. I think he was in his mid-50s. He apparently learned it was my birthday, and so we were in La Crosse, Wisconsin that night, and the next morning, his uh, mother, and I think his grandmother or mother-in-law, they had arranged to get uh, me a dozen cupcakes with candles in them, so they, <laughs> they gave them to me at breakfast. So that was my 71st birthday. The night before, when I checked into the uh, motel, I found out that the the clerk had a package for me, and he, and he went and grabbed a box and handed it to me. It was heavier than heavy. It was from my wife, and she had sent me a care package with cookies, and my kids and grandkids had filled it with some brownies and jerky and things like that, nice cards. So I had a great 71st birthday celebration. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, the uh, the trip uh, exceeded your expectations? Yeah, you know, I I did a lot of training. I rode quite a bit. Uh, I rode probably an average of 200 to 300 miles a week getting ready for the ride. I thought in the beginning that recovery would be the worst problem. You know, would my body just physically be able to recover day after Mm -hmm. day? As I said earlier, I'd done 200-mile rides before, but I hadn't done many back-to-back-to-back-to-back 100-mile days. So that was worrisome to me, but that didn't turn out to be the problem. It was the daily regimen. It was the logistics of it every day that Mm -hmm. actually, I wouldn't say wore me down, but were the most difficult. When I got on the bike, I was like, okay, I just got 100 miles. If it was 120 miles, I think. Once I knock off 20, it's only 100 miles to go. Not that big of a deal. But the daily routine was simply, it was something like this. You'd finish your ride. You'd wash your bike. Well, you might grab a soda or chocolate milk or something like that out of the truck to hydrate yourself. You'd haul your bike up to your room if your room was ready. You'd come back. You'd get your gear bag and your computer case. You'd haul them up to your room. You'd shower. You'd do your laundry, whether it was in the motel washing machine or whether you had to wash it in the sink or the bathtub. And then you'd find a place to eat. You know, we don't often think about this, and I didn't. That was still the tail end of the pandemic. And sometimes Mm -hmm. there weren't places to eat. I know when I was in Cooley City, my dinner was I walked across the parking lot to a Chevron station and got a breakfast sandwich, which they warmed up in the microwave. That was my (laughs) dinner. And then, you know, after eating, I'd go back to the room and I tried to call my wife, uh, maybe answer a few emails and write a little bit on my blog for the family members and try to post some pictures, go to bed, wake up in the morning at four o'clock, go through that routine, eat Mm -hmm. breakfast at five, be on the road, usually somewhere between six and seven thirty, depending on the day's route. So it was that daily routine that was harder than actually riding for me. Hmm. Is it something you would do again? You know, I've been asked that many times, and I have to ham and haw. Um, In a way, I would. The only reason I would be reticent about doing it again is the routine other than being on the bike. I didn't do this in the beginning to prove that I could. I just literally just enjoyed being on the bicycle. Mm -hmm. It was something fabulous. I would encourage anybody who has a dream of ever doing it to do it. Seeing the country on your bicycle 
is marvelous. I've been across, across the country several times by automobile. Doing it by bicycle is amazing. So I have a friend of mine who made a similar trip, but he did it solo with a chase car. And he said the same thing. He said just being out and about amongst the people, the cities, the country is phenomenal. Yeah, it is. You know, you. I was stopped a few times, whether it was in a convenience store or at a park where we had a SAG stop, and somebody would come up to say, uh, where are you headed? And I said, well, I'm headed to Rye Beach, New Hampshire. Yeah. And they'd look at me and goes, where's that? And I said, oh, it's on the East Coast. And I might be in some place like in South Dakota at the time. And, well, really? On your bike? And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or other days, I remember once in the Bighorns, we were, we stopped to take a few pictures. And somebody came up to me and says, oh, no, it was a hot day. And somebody said, how many miles are you riding today? I said, oh, about 146. And he goes, in this weather? You meet a lot of great people. That's an awesome story. So do you have any advice for an aging population about tackling, uh, you know, similar types of things? Uh, we all have visions of running marathons and triathlons and Ironmans and big bike trips. But, you know, sometimes physically and mentally, it just can't be done. So what's your advice? What's the kernel of motivation? I think about that quite a bit, too. What is it that motivated me? And I think it was a desire to do something I just wanted to do. Whether it's a dream that you have, whether it's something that you think you should accomplish, I'm not so sure what it is. One saying that, uh, or phrase that I often think about is something to the effect of, you don't stop moving because you get old. You get old because you stop moving. I've, I've thought about that for a long time. Plus, I enjoy being outside. I enjoy the physical activity. You know, I'm 72 now, turned 71 on this ride. My body hurts in a lot of places. I'm sure there's a lot of people that can identify that. You yeah. know, my back hurts as I'm sitting here talking to you. My knees crack. It takes me a while to get moving. But there's something about overcoming those things that that sparks me. So I would just say... If there's something that you want to do, whether it's a reading a long book, whether it's taking a long walk, taking a hike, riding your bike across the country, do it. To me, the success of it is not so much as doing it as it is to prepare for it, to plan for it, to train for it. You know, that's where the really success comes in. The ride across the country was easier than I thought it would be in many ways. Now, it was an arduous trip. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But again, I was worried about recovery. It wasn't recovery. It was a day-to-day -day routine, which I hadn't planned for. I hadn't anticipated. And, and it's true that when you finish something that you've planned for, you do feel good about it. There's this emotional high that you get. I distinctly remember the last five miles that we rode into Rye Beach, New Hampshire, and it still almost brings tears to my eyes because I thought back and I thought about all the people that had encouraged me. My, I, I'm going to choke up now. My wife was a great supporter of my cycling addiction for years. She texted me every day. She sent me multiple care packages. And those thoughts, as I thought about when I started, you know, over 30 days ago, and when I first got the glimpse of the uh, the Atlantic Ocean, I mean, I, I, I could have just 
started crying out loud. You know, I had to shake my head to maintain an upright posture on the bike. Yeah. So success does mean something, but the support that you get from family members or friends is an enormous amount of help. But it's also just digging yourself into that that dream that you have, living it in your mind, preparing for it, and then doing it. If you fail, so what? You can try again or you can pick something else, but trying for it really the success. You're still continuing on with your cycling routine. I am, yeah. Right, right in the garage and right outside when I can. Eric, we we truly appreciate it. And you've got about 30 seconds. If you'd like to 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 finish off with a with a statement or two, that'd be great. Well, I just come back to that old adage that uh, you don't stop moving because you get old. You get old because you stop moving. You've been listening to Eric Jefferson recount his story of crossing the United States on a bicycle, an accomplishment that many would never think of, especially at age 70. I would like to thank the Crossfeet podcast team, Nancy Peckingham, our executive producer, Rich Halton, our production and sound engineer, Nancy Franklin, our marketing and public relations expert, with additional support from various Crossfeet writers and podcasters, Jan Flynn, Melinda Blau, Elizabeth Allen, Gene Feldeisen, Catherine Dunn-Gilbert, and Warren Turner. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Crow's Feet, Life as We Age. Don't miss any of our great stories. Subscribe to Crow's Feet wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and family to give a listen to and leave a rating or review. You can read more Crow's Feet stories online at medium.com forward slash crows hyphen feet. So until next time, remember to savor every moment. As the Roman philosopher Seneca said, one should count each day a separate life. How about making friends with your Crow's Feet?